1: Welcome to Fright School, one man's willing descent into the dark abyss that lives at the heart of the American horror film. Over the next few weeks, I, Joshua Napier, am going to play horror Sherpa to Joe Farron's journey to the mountains of madness. Are you ready? Class is in session. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Welcome back to Fright School. Yes. How are you doing?
0: I am well. I am now. We are warm in this house and not braving the elements. Oh, that's true. It is raining and like windy out. I know. Nuts. I've always wanted to live in Portland. Now I don't have to leave.
1: Right. (laughs) Oh, well. So much fun! We just watched Poltergeist. Poltergeist, 1982. You're a
0: poltergeist,
1: Toby no. Hooper. <laughs> Sorry, I like that. Some you should rewrite that. That's yes. great.
0: Poltergeist. You're a
1: poltergeist. What is that? That see? Um, like? cold, cold as, as ice. ice. Yes, That's it. is that Hall and
0: Oates? Um, no. I think it's Journey or Foreigner. I don't even know. Uh, You know what? Either way, we're still getting sued, so it's fine.
1: Cool, awesome. I love that. We just, we just want to be sued. We just, we just want to be sued. It'll bring us uh, getting sued. You know, brings you great attention. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It is foreigner. You're right. Oh, hey, I know. Came out in 1977. Oh my gosh,
0: it's old as fuck. Right. (laughs) <laughs> can now you imagine you, if we change it you've just insulted people you're as old as fuck
1: <laughs> okay uh, anyway off the rails already we're not off, even in. two exactly. minutes in jeez i love it anyways so yeah um. What's going on? Let's uh. Let's see. Open up the horror app. Right. Actually, you know, it was interesting. I was trying to find there was um because we watched Poltergeist today, which has a creepy clown in it. Yes. Uh, creepy clown doll. Which I mean, who the hell's buying that for their anyways? Whatever the eighties. And m- forcing it, it to like it. watch over them. <laughs> I know. It's a very very strange time. Anyways, there were five killer clown movies that are no laughing matter posted on uh, ihorror.com on the app. Um, so I thought I'd real quickly uh, mention these. So people out there with, uh, what is it, cholera chlorophobia? No. What is the fear of
0: clowns? Um, it would be Greek because anything phobia has to have a Greek name. So uh,
1: that doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a C. It's like, yeah choleraphobia choleraphobia Oh well, actually, they're saying that's a neologism, so something that it's been made up. But regardless, yeah, because I mean, a lot of those things, like um, here, you know, little uh, trivia, DSM five trivia. So if you have a phobia of something, you're not get, like those are not um, a lot of a lot of phobias that people say, like a or that one. Um, Cholera phobia. I don't know how cholera cholera phobia. Whatever. Yeah. Those aren't actual diagnoses. They're like again, they're like what that's saying, like a ne- neo. What is the word?
0: Neolithic Neologism, or right, where you make
1: up, where it's like a word that's sort of made up. Oh, okay. Because you if in if you have a fear, it's like you know it's you specify the phobia. You know, so you'd say like phobia. Um, animal type, you might specify spiders or snakes or whatever, or um, not, you know, f- non-animal or not. You know, what I mean, there's lots of different like ways to. Um, there's I don't remember. There's like five or six subtypes of phobias. Yeah, but, but those things aren't actual like arachnophobia. Nobody's diagnosed with arachnophobia. That's not a real. You thing. have you'd anxiety. You have a fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. You'd have, you would know, have fear animal type. Or insect type, I think, actually might be there. I don't know. Anyways, uh, point is, five movies. 100 Tears is the first one. It's about, uh, it's like a B movie about a clown who's accused of killing people falsely. And so to, I guess, clear his good name, he goes on a killing spree. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, Because
0: I know that when I'm trying to clear my name Of something bad I just do it You just do it Yeah Yeah. You might
1: as well Like shit Like you know Uh Uh, Stephen King's It obviously the great Tim Curry is Pennywise the clown yes which they're remaking
0: yes they they're are wheeling out a Skarsgård no one's ever heard of to right. play the I know
1: how are <laughs> they keeping these guys in like a closet somewhere I think they're the I new they're like, like a novel. Scandinavian Baldwin, Baldwin. Yes. <laughs> yes exactly can we call them that from now on never yes. refer to them as a Scarsgard again we'll just yes. say oh one of the Scandinavian one of the Scandinavian Baldwins Scandinavian Baldwins
0: Stellan what is it Stellan Ellen Alexander, and who's the other one? I don't know. Um, oh my Peter. God, Peter. Peter, yes, yeah. The one with the I easiest name. I said I
1: don't know, but I did. Uh, okay, Peter so Sarsgard. another one, Killjoy. Uh, Kill space joy. Yeah, it's killer clown. Just killer joy. Killjoy. K i l l j o y. Um. I've never seen that. So we're going to have to have like a clown day. Oh, no. Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which we've discussed here before. You said they're remaking or like No, they want to do a trilogy. So they're going to add like, they're going to do two more sequels. But I mean, still, they've been saying that now for how long and there's still no movement on that. So we'll see. And then the last one on here is Stitches. Mm. Stitches the Clown. Stitches the Clown.
0: So I never got the whole clown thing. What do you mean? Like, phobia, people being afraid of
1: them. You know, I don't either. I've also it, never seen It, so that might have a lot to do with it. Maybe. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I think people find, you know, I think, I don't know, maybe there is something just, like, unsettling about, like, a grown person and, like, you know, very, that kind of scary makeup. I, You know, I don't know, because I'm not afraid of clowns. They don't bother me uh, in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm not, I don't, they don't make me, um, Anxious? Anxious. Joshua, look out. There's one behind you. Right. Awesome. <laughs> I hope that it's like a Harlequin, like black and white kind of thing. Yes. Uh, yeah, I it's don't It's a get juggalo, it. actually. Yeah. yeah. Jeffrey doesn't like clowns. He's very against clowns. Um, he has a t-shirt that says, can't sleep, clowns will eat me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he doesn't like clowns; they freak him out. But I, I, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand. But I'm sure people like you know. I don't like spiders, um, so I'm sure there are people out there that are like, "Oh, I love spiders. and I like to you know hold them and love them. I like to have them, them on my face. I like yeah. to have their eggs laid in my ear. Yeah, I know. No. Gosh, yeah. No, I, I mean I know people who've kept pet spiders, and I just don't no. understand. Uh, that but they brought you know they don't understand my fear so I don't know we can explore that we should look we'll do a clown we need to watch a bunch of clown movies oh my god yes do an exploration into the phobia of clowns definitely we can find some people that are afraid and bring them on um Ashley Cole Justine Hintz cool Two of them right yeah. there. Well, now Justine's becoming a clown, so maybe she's conquering her
0: fear. Yes. She said, <laughs> I remember her. She's like, I'm actually really good at being a clown. For someone who is afraid of them, I'm really good at it. I'm like, oh, okay. That we'll makes sense. Carla. Carla's also really Carla afraid of Carla Nell. Carla Nell's also afraid of the clowns. We'll be <sighs> like, send in the clowns.
1: Those. Something it goes on. There something, something. Anyways.
0: Dame Shirley. Name uh, Shirley Bassey.
1: <laughs> right. Send in
0: the clowns. Uh, right. Yes. So what's next? So
1: anyways, yeah. So I, I just thought that was interesting. It popped up and I thought, well, I'll mention it. Nothing, uh, you know, it's just kind of, it's, it's tangent to, to the poltergeist conversation. Um, I did want to plug something again. I've, I bought this book, Black Candies, Gross and Unlikable. It's a book. It's all women. Uh, horror stories and artwork all done by women artists. Um and it's from So Say We All.
0: Yay. Yeah.
1: Very cool. So uh, say we all for those
0: who do not know, who are not the cool kids, they are a um arts collective here in San Diego. Yeah. And uh every every month they have uh like a night of uh I don't want to say storytelling, but definitely like of, of work sharing. Oh yeah. I like storytelling. Yeah. Um, don't they do vamp? That's vamp. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's called vamp and people can, you know, write stuff for it and then you get produced. A bunch of our friends have been uh, involved, have had, wor- have read their works, part of vamp. Um, Justin Hudnall is the, uh, executive one, director, executive director mm-hmm. of, uh, so say we all, um, if you really are like you know original stories uh, or like you know true stories, I definitely recommend another podcast which is Incoming, um, which was done uh, in association with uh, Public Broadcasting. But Incoming, it's uh, veterans telling their personal stories about coming home from deployment from war, um, and they also turned it into a book. So it's actually a collection. Uh, some of the stories that you hear on the podcast, you get more of it, and you get more stories in the book. Incoming
1: is that from through So so through So So oh, we all, cool. yeah. yeah. It's their yeah. F- it
0: was their first uh, like publication they did
1: under their name. So, very cool, yeah. Um, they're um, look it up, yeah. San Diego based five uh, hundred one c uh, nonprofit organization. That provides arts education to populations without access and supports local artists through the showcase opportunities and peer-to-peer counseling. Uh, Visit them at SoSayWeAllOnline.com. Pick up this uh, book for our horror fans, Black Candies, Gross and Unlikable Women Horror. It's pretty good. Um, I love this back, the, the explanation. Gross and Unlikable is Reality. Steaming Viscera. Menstruation as Omen, the sharp blade of a return violence. The stories in this collection aren't evoking a theme, but destroying the lie of women tamed, of women just so. And it's pretty good so far. I've read the first uh, few stories, very uh, creepy. The prelude, like the prologue, you know, the very first uh, story involved a woman um, killing uh, a dog gutting it and then stitching herself into its corpse to die. So really sets a visceral, uh, tone. Yeah, that'll do it. (laughs) So anyways, check that out. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, you
0: wanted to discuss. Yes. On a lighter note, we had in an, in an earlier episode talked about possibly doing, um, a special topics, uh, Season on a uh, hag horror yeah uh specifically on the horror behind hags right and um speaking of hags uh we have on the cover on the cover of the recent um and i by recent i mean the january twenty seventh two thousand and seventeen because you know this is gonna that's for posteri- posterity right um, <laughs> entertainment weekly the cover is a lovely lovely press shot of miss susan sarandon and miss jessica lang as betty davis and joan crawford uh getting ready for ryan murphy's new and hopefully very very gay feud (laughs) new anthology series called feud and this first one is going to be the feud the legendary feud between
1: betty davis and joan crawford while they made whatever happens to baby jane Yes, and I have not seen it. Yeah, well, we're gonna, we're having a big uh, premiere for it. We're gonna watch uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane. Uh, I mean, yes, uh, Hag Horror. Uh, What to say about it? I mean, I guess, you know, by the time we get there, maybe we'll do that. We'll kind of discuss that within the realm, you know, on this podcast, Uh, you know, Hag Horror. But basically, this idea of older women. Uh, being, you know, a source of horror. Whatever happened to Baby Jane, I think, really birthed that. You know, you have Arsenic and Old Lace. You have... I mean, obviously, these go yeah. back. The Wicker Baba Man. Yaga, things like that. I don't know if the Wicker Man would uh, apply to that. Because this is more like... I mean, we have ancient tales of, like, old crone women, like mm-hmm. Baba Yaga, you know, things like like that. But I, I don't know. There's something particular about, like, the, like the garishness of... Of uh, whatever happened to Baby Jane, which once you see it, you'll understand a little bit. Just like you kind of the, the horror of it is something different. It's mm-hmm. it's not like the creepy witch and a you know, like leading Hansel and Gretel to you know their yeah. deaths or Baba Yaga flying over and you know. It's there's something very very different. So we'll have to examine it once once it comes yes. out. I am looking forward to it. Their feud is legendary. They. Man, they were so spiteful. And I'm kind of excited. I read the article, and um, I don't... Uh, he's trying to avoid camp. I don't think he can help himself. <laughs> uh, that,
0: I, I know, agree with that. Even if, even
1: if he doesn't want it to be campy, I, I think it'll probably have elements. But he he's more interested in examining the way, you know, women... You know, are just built to attack each other. Like, especially in this time where these, like, feuds, you know, I mean, a lot of it was so media manipulated and made up by the studios that these two women could have actually... Uh, bonded and been a real force to reckon with. And instead, they really bought into all of this kind of drama. And it's kind of sad, you know, at the at the end of it. Because, you know, they could have really... I mean, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane was very, a very successful movie. Um, you know, it's been critically, you know, acclaimed... Uh, they instead of fighting and stuff, they could have really come together and say, "See, like women in their fifties, because they were in their fifties when they made that, and considered way over the hill at the time, which is just, you know, insane." And they could have went out and said, "No, we're we're still valuable actresses. We still have talent that is viable, that is box office. You know, yeah. They they could have done a lot." And so I'm hoping that it that it does examine that more so than just you know, having you know Jessica Lang and Susan Sarandon, you know, recreate catty, you know, fights between them. I am hoping that it will delve into women in, in culture. Do you think that so I
0: also haven't seen Mommy Dearest. Do you right. think that's gonna be referenced, or at least people who
1: have They seen said the it show? is. Okay. It's referenced in, in in uh in Feud, uh in that article in, in Entertainment Weekly, they talk a little bit about it. Jessica Lang talks a little bit about, you know, kind of some of the the stuff that comes from it. Um, But, you know, I'm not sure because I'm not sure how important Mommy Dearest is to that story. You know, I don't know. I don't know how that, how it would fit in. See, that's the thing is that I. Although both women, both of their daughters wrote scathing. Oh, really? Biographies. Betty Davis's daughter did as well. Wrote really a lot of bad things about her Mm. mother after she died. So they have that in common.
0: <laughs> I just I just see I can already see like I mean a la a la American horror story where it's like a sweeping shot like it's the beginning opening guitar riff of Betty Davis eyes <laughs> <laughs> and like Joan Crawford's about ready to like on her deathbed <laughs> and it's like her hair was hollow, girl and she's just about to die and yeah, because, you know, it's Ryan Murphy, so it's, there's, I I do true. expect camp from him.
1: Yeah, no, I do as well, so we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, we'll see if he can help himself until tell, you know, I think a really uh, good, you know, story, because it's still, I mean, we still have this kind of thing. You know, you don't really see men put up against each other like that. No. Um, At least outside the sports world. Obviously there, you know, that is one place where you do kind of see a lot of hype and a lot of this sort of, you know, macho champ, you know, that kind of nonsense. Um, But if anything, they're kind of in on the joke, you know, but women, especially pop stars, you know, um, actresses, you know, there's always... You know, there's always always trying to create you know problems, and it's it's stupid, and so it's like I think I think they're going to tell a very modern story uh, about something that happened 50 years ago. There was this so
0: around the beginning of the new year in the the Pop Rocket uh, Facebook group that I'm a part of, one of the uh, Caroline, I think her name is Caroline Donahue. Um, She's a writer, and she posted this article that she wrote for uh, some some site or magazine and it was about, um, she's like, inevitably we have like, inevitably we have these female stars or female, um, female celebrities who, uh, the public like deifies, puts them on a pedestal and they can do no wrong. And then eventually something happens where, they do something, slip up in some way, and then the public is re- like takes them down. Like, yeah. So then they're responsible for being taken down. And mm-hmm. it was this very, it was very brilliantly done how she did this article. But it was about in 2017, who are the celebrities that are going <laughs> that, that's gonna happen to who are the who are our idols that you know were, that A are road. to eat? That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That are ripe for the taking down. And it was just it was so pointed and so and so brilliant. But when you, it made me really realize, like, oh, shit, this really is something that, like, popular culture does, whether they know it or not. Over and over over and over again. And it's just, like, you know, it's not that, it's not enough that you just can't wait, like, you just can't be a good person. It's that, you know, we also relish... In a very, very sick and twisted way, relish in like the taking down of a woman specifically, and it was like, and he and she was very clear to mention, like you know specifically like progressive white women, talking about them because you can't really, you can't really speak to like POC women because at that POC women or even queer women because they've already been so marginalized at that point that anybody who gets to that. Who gets who makes it through into the mainstream consciousness? Like you don't want to take them down because it just took so long to get there, and there's mm. very few of them anyway. So the people that she was speaking about were like mainly famous white, uh, like cisgendered heterosexual women, which was just even more fascinating because it's like you know yeah obviously you have all these things going for you, and then you say something or you do something, and then it's just a complete hit piece, just completely yeah. taking them down. Um, in the article, I'll, I'll post it to you and, and and show you. But in the article, she mentions um, Angela Merkel as like, oh yeah, basically we're gonna do the Angela Merkel what we did to what what she's gonna go the way of Hillary Clinton and all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, so you know, to kind of bring it back to Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, it's just completely manufactured
1: and. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just this com- yeah. this awful cycle. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, because not all of, like, their, you know, what, you know, they sort of butted heads about is completely made up. I mean, you know, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis both obviously suffered from, you know, their own uh, struggles with their mental health. Um, Betty Davis... What you know, liked to drink and liked to do you know things, and I think so. I think there's a lot of ways that they rubbed each other wrong. Really, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. But I think a lot of the hype that kind of came up around them all, was really created by the studio, and mm-hmm. you know, this sort of drama, and especially when it came up for them to be like Oscar nominated, you know, in the, in the roles. You know, it's just i don't know—it's just really kind of sick and sad. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the story uh, unfolds. You know, Ryan Murphy actually spent a lot of time, I guess, um, or not a lot of time, but I mean, he had written to Betty Davis ever since he was like really young, and then he got to meet her when he was in his 20s as like a journalist or something. Spent a few hours with her, um, and seems to have a real reverence for her as a human being and not just a a, a, an icon, you know, an um, an icon of. Yeah. You know, dividend or whatever. Uh, so I'm hoping that he can put aside some of his bullshit and like actually tell a good story. Yeah. And, and I'm hoping that Jessica Lange um, and Susan Sarandon, who I think are really great actresses and very outspoken women, um, hopefully also were able to kind of curtail any. Nonsense. Any that extra? He might wanna, yeah, <laughs> to put on it. I I don't have really high hopes for that, but yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to watching it. I will watch the the series, and uh, if anything, I'm looking forward to uh, y- you know seeing hopefully whatever happened to Baby Jane, you know, uh, go out there into public consciousness and become yeah, sort of reinvigorated.
0: I was just reading like all about Eve, and yeah. mm-hmm. is a Betty Davis movie, mm-hmm. and I I think it's going to be yeah. great films. that yeah. were made. I think it's going to be good for them. Yeah. What what this really means is that Susan Sarandon's probably going to be in the one of the next seasons of American Horror Story.
1: That would be great. I'd like yeah. to see that. Um, I know that from the article, Jessica Lang had to kind of talk Susan into doing it. Uh, by you, because Susan just didn't know Ryan Murphy that well and didn't kind of know if, if this was something she wanted to yeah. do. And Jessica was like, No, he's really good. And he kind of comes from an interesting perspective. Yeah. Honey,
0: he's great.
1: Yeah. The lighting's great. I don't know why I made her from Jersey. The, li- the like lighting's
0: my, great. My career has. My career has blossomed. (laughs) All of these (laughs) homos—I just imagine her. Like even in real life, she's Fiona. Like she's Fiona. Good. Like all of these homos love me, Susan. Right. They'll love you
1: too. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, Susan's got Rocky Horror cred, so very, very true. It's not like she needs any more uh, queer love. Uh. All right. So, anything else in that realm? Um.
0: Nothing. I Um, mean, I think there's just too much, like, actual horror happening in the world. It's
1: true. Yeah, it's bad. I went to the Women's March. It was very awesome. It was very... uh, In LA, I went to Los Angeles. I did not go to San Diego, because I because I was already going up with Marcella to see uh, a show, well, a couple shows actually in LA. Oh yeah, uh,
0: you went to the Riot Comedy Festival.
1: Yeah, uh, or saw one part of it, Literary Deathmatch, which was really good, and really fun. I, I highly recommend it. I, I don't want to talk too much about it, just because, you know, we're, I don't, don't want to get too far off track, but it was really cool. Yeah. It was very interesting, great comedians. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we went to like a comedy show, but we went to the Women's March 1st in LA, and it was very inspiring and I don't know. You know, I'm trying to have a little more hope um, in the face of such hopelessness and such um, uh, true... I mean, I feel... I just feel like I... Like, am I losing my mind? Like, is this really the world that we're living in? Like, this is really... The conversations we're having about truth or about, you know... Facts. Yeah, facts. You know, it's... It's heartbreaking. So I, I just... Going and being part of that yesterday and seeing so so many voices coming together was really great. I hope that we do something with it. I hope that we, um, the momentum for that continues. You know, because it's one thing to be part of 750 thousand people, which is what they were thinking, um, came to Los Angeles. Uh, almost three million across the world, uh, or was that just the U.S. 2.9 million or something? Or is that all over the something world? Something like that. But it was just
0: like it was on every continent. I remember yeah, them saying that even, uh, even in our. But country.
1: regardless, like it's easy to do that, and for all of us to come together and march on a Saturday, and you know, be part of this. Yeah, and
0: then go home, and then go home.
1: So, but it's different to actually go out and have and continue having difficult conversations and um, holding people accountable in your own life. You know, which I, I think is also important. So, anyway, speaking of ugly spaces actually that's not i don't know that's not really a good transition <laughs> but uh, poltergeist poltergeist let's talk about poltergeist, poltergeist.
0: Cause,
1: yes because that's what we did today uh that's what we just watched uh from 1982 again directed supposedly by toby hooper yes when you but said that there's a I lot was of like... conjecture that steven spielberg actually uh Uh, is the one who directed it. However, you know, Steven Spielberg actually took out uh, like a public letter. Um, What year was that? Uh, The Hollywood reporter uh, in the week of the film's release. So this in, in the eighties, 82 or whatever. Regrettably, some of the press has misunderstood the rather unique creative relationship, which you and I shared throughout the making of poltergeist. I enjoyed your openness in allowing me a wide berth for creative involvement, just as I know you were happy with the freedom you had to direct Poltergeist so wonderfully. Through the screenplay, you accepted a vision of this very intense movie from the start, and as the director, you delivered the goods. You performed responsibly and professionally throughout, and I wish you great success on your next project. So, you know, again, uh, I- What do you say? You know, I mean, if Spielberg comes out and he says that, you know, I I feel like maybe that kind of should have ended it. But the problem is so many people said, you know, different things. A lot of the cast said that. Um, Zelda Rubenstein, you know, who uh, plays uh, Tangina, the medium, uh, she said that Toby set up the shots and Steven made the adjustments. And uh, she also alleged that Hooper, uh, quote, allowed some unacceptable chemical agents into his work and felt that Toby was only partially there and that she felt Stephen directed um, all six days that she was on set.
0: Oh, drug use is what she's implying. Uh,
1: Chemical uh, agents. Unacceptable chemical agents. That's my new band.
0: Unacceptable (laughs)
1: chemical agents. (laughs) Uh, They only play ska. Yeah, so... I don't know. I mean, we're not really here to talk about, you know, who directed or didn't direct the film, but yeah. it is something that has kind of followed this film around, you know, this this conversation because it is such a Spielberg movie. Yeah, it's it and, has his
0: fingerprints all over.
1: Yeah, and I mean and he was, you know, producer on it, but the, the issue was he wasn't supposed to direct anything because he was making ET. So he had like a con- uh uh, contractual agreement that he was focusing on ET and making ET, which they came out within like a week of each other, um, and actually we're up for a lot of the same sort of awards and things like that, um, which ET uh, ended up winning. I think most of most of what they went up against, of course, each other. In um, I actually really love ET, so I can't really say good or bad <laughs> on that. Uh, so we watch Poltergeist. What are we talking about? So
0: you said that there was a lot of like, this film is cursed. Yeah. I
1: want to know more That's about the curse. what they say. I want to know more about the curse.
0: Well, uh, before we so, actually get into the film itself, I do want to know more about this curse.
1: Yeah. So rumors are it was cursed. One, they went very cheaply on production. So instead of, and now the production designers and like the prop people said, uh, the, they did get real human skeletons. Uh, that they used as to dress the set with and used as as props because they were cheaper and and things like um that we have now just didn't exist then that's what they claim uh mary uh what's her name Joe Beth Williams mm-hmm. stated she was one of the first people to say, oh yeah, they used real skeletons in the movie, and so the rumor is is that that is like why it's cursed uh the whole series so first uh What's her name? Do, uh, Dominic, Dominique, Dominique Dunn. I have to say her name right. Uh, who played the daughter, the eldest daughter, Dana Freeling, uh, was strangled to death by her boyfriend uh, in like eighty two, eighty three. No, when was that? So shortly after the film. Yeah, shortly after she they they had a very violent relationship, and I guess that. Um, she was trying to get away from this guy. His name was uh, John Thomas Sweeney. Uh, yeah, October 30th, 1982. So just yeah, months after uh, Poltergeist came out, uh, she was only 22. Oh, my God. But he strangled her, putting her into a coma for uh, four, uh, four days before she finally died. Uh, what's really uh, fucked up about all of this is that he, this Sweeney dude... Um, God, you know, I'm not exactly sure what, um, I'm not sure what it was he's like, why he said he like strangled her to death because he was charged with voluntary manslaughter. He served like four years and is out free now. Oh my God. After strangling, you know, a 22 year old girl to death, uh, who he had been extremely violent with before. So, really fucked up, you know, very sad. Um her that, you know, story is just absolutely tragic. Um but also unfortunately not very surprising, you know, mm-hmm. that you know this happened to her. Uh but yeah, very tragic. Uh so obviously that happened and then uh there's a there are two sequels to Poltergeist, the original like film series, it's Poltergeist. Uh, Poltergeist 2 and Poltergeist 3. Uh, the third is actually one of my favorite. I love that movie. It's ridiculous and fun. Um, but uh, Heather Rorick... Well, first, the guy in the second movie, uh, there's... Uh, what's his name? J- Julian... Oh shit, what's this? He had like stomach cancer while making the movie. He plays this creepy preacher, Kane. Oh, so creepy. Mm. Uh so like he died not long after the film was made. Um there was a Native American actor who said that the, he thought that the films were cursed and he did like an elaborate uh cleansing ceremony. He died like within a year after the second film came out. Um and then of course the big, you know, story is Heather Rorick, who played Heather O'Rourke. Who played um,
0: Carol Ann? Carol
1: Ann. She died while making the third film. She they thought she had Crohn's disease, and so she went into the hospital. Um, I think towards the end of production, because I if they had most ever. I think they had finished almost all of her shots. They they did have to do some maneuvering and all to to finish the film, uh, include bring in somebody to do to do reshoots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so she went into the hospital. They thought she had um, Crohn's disease, but she didn't. She had something else, uh, some other disease, and so she had an obstruction of her bowel. So while they were doing surgery on her, uh, she died of like septic shock. Oh, at, Like twelve, yeah, very, it, yeah, it's very terrible. Uh, That's very tragic too. Yeah, oh, very, God. very tragic. Yeah, and so like her parents sued, you know, and all that because they said that her death probably could have been avoided had they. Um, known what her actual diagnosis was. So that's, you know, why they consider it cursed. Uh, You know, Zelda Rubenstein, you know, who played, you know, the medium uh, Tangina, she, you know, she didn't feel like her career ever went anywhere really after, you know, she was kind of pigeonholed into playing like psychics and kind of creepy things, you know, Um, Teen Witch. Teen Witch. You know, that's a curse right there. I love that movie, Teen Witch. It's great. I don't care what anybody says. I love it too. It's wonderful. I've seen that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yay! I also like a random '80s, uh, you know,
1: musical sequence too. So right, yes. <laughs> Talk about lip sync for your life, right? Jeez, oh, exactly. <laughs> God, that scene. Uh, anyways, um, but yeah. So other people around the film have died, or you know, had you know things happen to them. Um, one of the guys, I think one of the production people, some guy, or no. That's not true. It wasn't a production guy. It's one of the guys who played, um, like, uh, a carpenter or whatever in the movie, one of the the workers working on the house. Some guy, like, randomly wandered up to his property, like, knocked on the door, asked for help, and then murdered him with an axe, and then just wandered off again. So just a very insane you know kind of coincidence Yeah. you know that that would happen crazy that's yeah. nuts so there's lots of like stories like that around around it so that's but why but Craig T. Nelson's him. still alive he is although again career wise oh I'm not true. Sure who that is he could be he could be the puppet master <laughs> and and same with Joe Beth Williams i'm not sure what they're doing these days but No, I mean they had other like successes, obviously beyond. But you know, and and who knows? I mean, I don't particularly believe in curses. I I mean, I just think it's kind of coincidence. But um, it is it is creepy. You know, yeah. So much awful stuff has happened to people surrounding the film.
0: Yeah, the ending. So if we can, if we go into the show, or if we go into the movie and then just Mm -hmm. go right to the end, the ending was very like, oh my gosh, like with all the the coffins and the corpses coming out of the coming out of the earth and just like it just it was like the last like 30 minutes of that film is completely different from the entire first entire yeah. rest of it.
1: Cause that's the big reveal is that, you know, cause first you find out like, Oh, well they built all this stuff where there used to be a cemetery and yeah. they had moved it. But then you find out, no, they moved all the headstones and they left all the bodies. So it's like a, the big reveal of the yeah. film, you know,
0: it's like, you left the bodies. Yeah. So it just begs the question, like what that whole, but the whole thing with, Like the medium coming in and like, well, first you have like, you know, Grandma Barb. (laughs) That's what I'm going to call her. Right. Um, Yeah. I'm like Grandma Barb and her like, you know, team of Ghostbusters.
1: He's talking about Beatrice Strait, who plays Dr. Lesh, uh, the woman. She does kind of have a Barb from Stranger Things vibe.
0: Yes, serving you all kinds of belt buckle and skirt like yeah. mismatched skirt blouse wheelness like enorm-
1: those enormous glasses
0: enormous glasses I mean, I know that was the thing, but Lord have mercy, and then you have uh, so you have her like and her team coming in of like ghostbusters saying all this stuff, and then she brings in the medium who is you know which really is as you were saying. The best part of the whole thing. Oh, she
1: is. I always can't wait for her to come in. It's so great. You're jamming my frequencies. And, Love um, her. And, like, they do that really elaborate, like, almost
0: exorcism of go into the light, but don't go into the light. Go, right. just just stand right outside of it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just go go a little bit further. Yeah. Garmin says, make a right at the light. <laughs> don't go wait. Go past the lights too far. So... <laughs> <laughs> just make up your it mind. Is very I was like, I was trying to figure out how many times they said go and don't go into the light, Kelly Ann, uh Kellyanne. God damn her. Carol Ann. <laughs> Carol Ann. Talk about poltergeist. Kellyanne Conway. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carol Ann, don't go into the light and then do go into the light and then just stay right outside. Yeah. It was just too many times. But like, you know, so this house is cleansed. I'm like, obviously that obviously she got it wrong. The house is not clean. It's still dirty. You just swept it under the rug. Now it's a bigger pile than before. That, that's what really, like, I, if there's one thing that just kind of was trying my, my logical brain mm-hmm. hurt was like, okay, I thought it was clean. I guess it's not clean because yeah. it looks like we still have a whole bunch of the movie left.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's sort of like the beast is tricker. You know, it's trick them. Trick you know, As kind of pulled everybody back. And, and at them. And, and it reserves its energy. And then once they all leave, it comes back full force and yeah. rips open the hole in the wall with all the gross, you know, um, biological-looking material sucking things in. Yes. It's the very, ecto- very ectoplasm, gross. Ectoplasm,
0: I think, is what the, the supernaturalists call them, ectoplasms. Um, I have, I, I was familiar with the, um, uh, is it Diane? Karen. What's the mother's name? the mother. Oh, um Diane Freeling but uh, Joe Beth Williams. So Diane like uh, when Diane like falls into the pool, which she completely like called out like in the in the in the film. She's like, yeah. "Oh, maybe she'll maybe she'll fall in accidentally." I'm like, "Well, no, that'll be you." And and that was terrifying. Like that whole I'm familiar with that scene and to see it in its context of like what's all happening around her, that is utterly terrifying yeah. with um with all the corpses like bobbing with up all out the corpses yeah. bobbing up and down and it's like i really i almost thought that she was going to get locked in one of those court one of those coffins and then get dragged back down to hell
1: ew that would have been gross yeah 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 when i was a kid i had like dreams about that like that that scene is very horrifying so i yeah i would have like uh like nightmares of you know about being in like a filthy pool like you mm-hmm. know with stuff grabbing struggling with the dead yeah and not even necessarily just whatever just gross stuff i did um what was
0: nice is that the this film is heavily referenced in other things that i've seen so obviously the first thing was stranger things like it's heavily referenced in stranger things um even going so far as like the sheriff kind of looks like craig t nelson at that time Uh, and you know, the whole, your, your daughter's in the ether, like your, your child is in the ether, you can speak to them and they can't speak to you and they're on this other plane and this on their other plane of existence. And it really, I I think we had, I don't know if we had mentioned this, but we talked about how, um, there there was this article that I read about the, about the two, maybe not article, but a podcast or something about stranger things where the children Mm -hmm the kids the children are in um a Steven Spielberg movie and then like the ca- and then the parents are in like a John Carpenter film oh no it's backwards it's, the teenagers uh, the are the teenagers, teenagers are in a John Carpenter film and the parents are in a Steven Spielberg film
1: no i thought it was the kids were in a st- like like ET or something
0: maybe and it's, the parents were in something else and the kids were in John Carpenter and the know. But it was I like know what that, you're talking about. Yeah, you know what you mean. You know what I mean, right? Like just all over. I forget. I forget exactly how that's broken down. But yeah, they have. Um, it's all telling the same story, and then you have like the whole going into this other plane. The 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 slimy stuff like that. That's even referenced in it too. Like it's very. Um, I didn't realize how heavy the reference was uh right which is which is a good um it's a good facet of storytelling uh when I, and i always judge like movies that are heavily referential i i appreciate when whatever joke they're trying to make or point they're trying to make comes across even if you don't if you even if you're not in on the joke and that it still it still makes sense um and it's further enhanced by uh it's further enhanced by the reference. Um, yeah. Scary Movie Two, uh, when uh, Tyeans being lifted up in her panties by the by the spirit, right? Uh, which is heavily referenced in Scary Movie Two. It's a you know it's a one of the bit better gags with Tory Spelling there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. You know, I don't
1: think I've seen this, so I'd have to see it to know if, if it's if that's referencing poltergeist or if it's referencing a nightmare on elm street which you haven't seen yet
0: oh mm, okay well because there's a
1: there's a very similar scene in a nightmare on elm street
0: i i forget if it's one or scary movie one or two but there's a scene with a clown i think it's probably two there's a scene that's probably very the scene with the clown yeah the clown doll which is why i assume that it was maybe why it was poltergeist as well because it's
1: you know they go to a haunted house so i kind of figured that makes sense yeah, I just haven't seen it, so I, I don't know. But I, you know, I know that they reference yeah. a lot of horror films in a comedic way in those films uh, or yeah. movies. I would say one of the Wayne's <laughs>
0: brothers, like you know, sodomizes the clown basically, and
1: oh, jeez, I know. But
0: yeah, it was it was hmm. very. I thought it was really great. It was. It's definitely something that I wouldn't mind watching again. Um, yeah, it's
1: not a it's not a horror film necessarily. No,
0: it's a little. It's dark. It's definitely yeah. dark for sure. Uh, I got a lot of the, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel like definitely has Steven Spielberg's Prince over it because mm-hmm. it came out before uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So there's a whole like face melting thing yeah. and he's just, you know, wanting to melt someone's face. Uh, he does love, um, he does like a medium shot. Like he does love like from the, from like the shoulders up, someone right. telling a story <laughs> with yeah. like just the right amount of light in their face.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, it's very... It's true. Yeah. It, and it a lens flare. Very much looks like a, a Spielberg movie. It doesn't, uh, you know, Toby Hooper did, obviously, you know, directed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I don't know if his, within eight years, how Spielbergian his directing would become. No. <laughs> it, it's you know. just, it's so
0: interesting because, you know, he had. He found great success doing that uh doing Texas Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, right. and they made it for just such little money it's just and and now like you know few years later he's able to do this other pretty like direct quote unquote <laughs> this the uh, very iconic film and um and then have, like, a significantly larger budget. And it's just easy, it's just fascinating where he, like, the, the choices that were made. But then again, of course, this is all, like, you know, we, we he directed it, it's on the credits, but this is all suspect. Yeah, This exactly. is all suspect, and, you know, um, and it's subject to conjecture, but we, uh, going by what's available, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how
1: that kind of all played out. Well yeah, and it's I mean it's I think it's, you know, important to kinda note too that, you know, it's not like Toby went on to do a lot of other big, big films, which Spielberg did now. Is that what is that? What is the reasoning for that? I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I'm just saying that had if he had completely done poltergeist in that way and it worked so well, like why didn't he do more like successful films based on that same sort of directing approach? possibly because it was not his. Yeah. Right? It was Steven, you know. So, who knows? Uh again, like I said, I'm not here really to conjecture, you know, or yeah. or to, or to uh, you know, contest or not like, you know. Toby Hooper made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He didn't have to make anything else as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I but I am just looking at like his list of other films that he made and yeah, there's nothing on here worth like writing home about, you know, beyond um, Poltergeist, Salem's Lot, nineteen seventy nine. I, I, I think that's very good. Um, uh, that probably has a lot more uh, in common with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre style of direction than it than it does Poltergeist, though. Um, so, you know,
0: <laughs> what <knows>? to say. <laughs>
1: It's a great film, though. I mean, I really do like uh, Poltergeist. I wanted to include it here. Uh, in, you know, I, like I said, I don't consider it necessarily a, a horror film. Um, I do think it's frightening. I do think it's a nice uh, balance for the Amityville horror because you kind of, you know, Amityville's so, sort of set on, like, demonology and 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 very religious kind of overtones, whereas, like, Poltergeist is not. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of retrofitted later. The second one really kind of focuses on... Um, the, this idea that the the beast in the first movie in this sort of supernatural world is this preacher who had like a doomsday cult kind of thing that he trapped and led to their deaths and that's sort of what has created this supernatural thing and he's fixated on using Carol Ann to bring himself you know in into the into a corporeal you know realm into the
0: corporeal plane
1: yeah uh, but that's kind of something written after the first film, you know, so I, I like that it sort of absent a lot of uh, r- what I would consider religious uh, tones, you know, to it. It's more, um, it's just a good old-fashioned, you know, hey, your house is built on a bunch of, you know, dead bodies and they're not happy about it, <laughs> you know, kind of ideology. Although Amityville also, there was a lot of conjecture that it was um, Indian burial grounds too, but that yeah. was... You know, totally.
0: Which they kind of referenced. They kind of referenced in the in the movie. It's like it's not
1: like it's built on an Indian burial ground. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We Uh, just gotta move them. Yeah. Yeah. Which I. uh, I don't know. I. I again, like I said, I think that's a great reveal. You know, because it's sort of slowly built into it.
0: Yeah. You know, when Craig T. Nelson is just. uh, scolding his boss. (laughs) It's just like, you, you didn't move the bodies. I was, that, that was just the horrifying revelation that not only, not only that, but you've been also, you know, he's, what did he say? He was responsible for more than 42% of the growth in the, in that area. Yeah. In that area. It's like, you've been selling people. Yeah, His character.
1: Yes. Is a real estate developer.
0: Yeah. And it's just like, well, and also no wonder that they wanted to, um, no wonder they wanted to, to get you because you're also kind of responsible for the continued desecration of their yeah. final resting place. Absolutely. Um the tree scene, the tree eating the boy was very traumatizing for me. I didn't <laughs> I was I was like, "Oh my god, this is we're going to we're going to watch a child die. This is how we watch children die." Uh that boy, by the way, who whatever actor his name is or, you know, just that that performance in general, like not only did he had to get eaten by a fucking tree, but then he's also like getting tackled by that clown and I hate you, I hate you. I'm like, yeah, you give that clown, you give that clown something. Yeah, it was, it was just. Um, I'm like, well, he got the brunt of it. Uh, and then they're all wandering around covered in slime and filth I know. All I'm the like, time. is that blood? I have no idea what that is. It's like this, um, uh, you know, yeah, from the ether, from the other side, from the other side, the ectoplasm, the. Oh goodness! Kind of had a haircut like uh, the guy, the boys
1: in Stranger Things too. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, you know, that's Stranger Things is very much based on you know that eighties look. I mean, it's set in eighty four, eighty three, something like
0: that. It's uh, set yeah. in the future a little bit.
1: Well, would never happen in the in the uh,
0: in the present now. Um, and I'd be curious to see how your take on the remake um, when they when they did the remake, but the whole thing with the th- remotes.
1: <laughs> the the remote of oh, the football yeah. game yeah how they yeah how one of them t- can change each other's like channels yeah we don't have that problem anymore yeah
0: it's like they they purposely did that not only for brevity but to kind of set up that they need to go ask someone later and then eventually they become they help save uh, they help save Diane so like it, it was just it was like a very specific kind of thing in order to do like to do very calculated.
1: Plot like uh, plot saves. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I don't think I ever really paid much attention to it, other than you know it's kind of setting up this relationship between them. Uh, but it's so funny to think that that was a problem. You know, yeah. and I wonder if it really was, or if that's something you they know, manufactured. Have to ask yeah, people that lived in the seventies and eighties. I mean, you know, it's like the phone thing. You know, I mean, we used to share like phone lines, party lines. You know, you'd have to like tell somebody to get off the. Get off the phone. Get off the phone so that you could call emergency services. How did they? Um, how did they do in the remake, Joshua? I, you know, I thought it was good. I, I you know, I watched it. I, I, you know, it's unnecessary. Like a lot of remakes are. It's not like it added anything to the original other than you know some very nice big screen TVs and you know something for you know, Sony to profit from. I guess um, product placement. Uh but you know overall i thought it was enjoyable you know i wouldn't say not to watch it you know if you want if you want to see what it's you know update looks like but it's not going to enhance no like okay it doesn't add anything and and it also doesn't take anything away like i'm not the kind i'm not in those sorts of camps you know where people are oh you're ruining my childhood like no cuz i can still go to my shelf and and get the original poltergeist yeah and watch it you know, so it doesn't ruin anything for me. And in fact, I can ignore it. I don't have to watch that. You know, just like all the guys with the whole Ghostbusters thing, which I actually was never a fan of the original Ghostbusters movies all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Sigourney Weaver. Um, I love Rick Moranis because he was in Little Shop of Horrors. So I I'd, I'd saw those movies as a kid because of, because of that. I loved Alien. So, you know, I watched, yeah. you know, because Sigourney Weaver. But I never really cared for Ghostbusters. So when they remade it, I was actually just happy because I love all the women that are in it, I, yeah. you know, and I it kind of gave me a newfound love for Ghostbusters in general. I went and I bought the first two on Blu-ray and rewatched them and found newfound appreciation. Uh, so they didn't certainly didn't take away anything, kind of gave me a little bit more understanding. So I, I, what I, my point is, is like, you know, the older I get, the more I realize everything is going to be remade. We don't have a lot of great new ideas coming yeah. in, at least nothing that people want to spend money on. You know, unfortunately, that's how, that's just how movie direct, you know, or movie uh, producers are. They found, you know, this worked, let's remake it. Yeah, Because a lot of people will still go and watch it, kind of like what I did when, when they remade The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, because at the time that they did that, i was kind of that in that sort of realm you know i was like 18 or 19 20 you know and and very like this is bullshit and you know the texas chainsaw massacre is perfect i'm gonna go see this movie because i just want to see how badly they fuck it up and it turned out to be pretty good so after that i i sort of pulled back uh, on some of that and now it's like if anything i'm just always happy and i feel i wish that more people would embrace this idea um the when they remake things they bring attention to the original yeah you know and maybe people will go back and watch it maybe they won't and that's perfectly acceptable um because you know culture is is a function of whoever is buying it and whoever is you know participating in it and unfortunately that's always going to be sort of the you know youth so if they you know for the most part you know that this 18 to like 30 uh they're going to drive what is made and and what is consumed. And if they all want to go and spend all their money watching a Poltergeist remake and thinking it's, you know, the newest, bestest thing they've ever seen without any clue that the original existed, I I don't know if that can be helped. Yeah. (laughs) You know, except by, you know, people like us who can say, like, oh, did you know there was an original one? And it's really good and you should watch it. He's so bad. Himlock is like jumping on. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm concentrating on what you're saying, but he's just like jumping on me. And... I don't know what's wrong with him. He's just always causing problems. I, I've just yeah. never felt his claws. He's attacking
1: my microphone now. I just never felt his claws. You need to lay down. Uh, anyways, so yeah, I really like the remake. Um, I look forward to other remakes that they have these days just because I like to see what they bring, to, you know, what do they do? You know, what, what, what will they yeah. reinvent? But I don't think they reinvented a lot in it. You know, they kind of told the same story. Uh, they used a lot of modern technological kind of stuff. Uh, cool things, smart house, yeah. you know. Uh, but it kind of reminded me a lot of, like, the paranormal activity movies. Yeah, which is probably why they, they did it on the yeah.
0: success of those. I There was an actually, I read, I'm still making my way through uh, this week's EW, but it, one of the first articles is is talking about uh, talking about this whole kind of new industry of remakes. Um, it's uh, on page eleven of the of the feud edition of uh, EW. The never-ending story. And it's talking about like Fuller House and Twenty Four Legacy, Star Trek Discovery. Uh, with so many shows getting the reboot treatment, our showrunners rethinking the series finale. So it's no longer. It, it's it's saying like, well, if you if you're always if there's enough fan. D- if there's, if you can pay enough fan service and get it re reopened again if uh, can you does anything really have to die and that's a, and that's a very interesting concept when i was like reading this article and thinking about it like it's it's definitely something where I think um I approach remakes and reboots exactly from what you were saying where it's like if if it can show given a if it can pay re- reverence to the original but also make it um make it more accessible for a new generation because we're living in the age where we everything is like most of everything is streaming and it's mm-hmm. online and it's available to um, it's available for people to just binge watch over a long weekend on the vacations, yeah. and it's easier for people to get into it and and be um, be uh, mass consumers of culture in that way. So, like I I hate to bring them back up again, but like fucking the Gilmore Girls, like the Gilmore Girls is a great example of that. It's a show that ended under um, it show ended on unusual circumstances. The last season was done by not there. Um, not their original creator, not in her voice because her and her husband pretty much wrote every episode by themselves. So you know it's it still left people wanting more of it when it when it uh, during its untimely demise and with the advent of uh, advent of like it's showing on Netflix like I thought that completely changed the game because then it's a whole new it's a whole new. It's a whole new um, group of people a whole new generation of people that are finding this out and then seeing it experiencing it for the first time and then when it's over you know we're again we're living in this age of instant gratification right and, and what it carry under uh, Carrie Fisher instant gratification is not fast enough right yeah <laughs> um, so it, instant gratification that they want more of these things to yeah. come in. Um, and then you have like Gilmore Girls colon A Year in the Life, and all like all these other things that are coming in that were so yeah. beloved. Also, they are you know completely paying service to like the the older millennials, <laughs> the older millennials like myself or people who grew up in like the '90s and right. that are of those a- of the age now where they could be professional young professionals consuming with uh, spendable you know disposable income in which to consume yeah uh, more things. Totally. But that's my that's my tangent on <laughs> reboots and remakes. Yeah. Sorry well, about I just, that. I,
1: you know, I also just don't know like how much patience like you know, uh, the, uh, young people nowadays have for the way that special effects used to be, the way you know the the crudeness of some of it. You know, we were watching something the other day in like high def that was not made for high def, and it really showed a lot of the flaws. But. Y- there's something, I think, you know, some of the heart that is missing, you know, when everything can be sort of digital and perfect and, you know, all this HD stuff. Like, I, you know, I really, I like watching, like the, you know, just now watching Poltergeist, like the way it looks, the sheen that it has on it, you know, this sort of very 80s look to it, you know, the filter, the coloring of it, you know, I like that. But, you know, so sometimes I think it's, you know, that people just, we're moving away from that, you know, this sort of, um, we expect things to be very beautiful and very clean and very, you know, yeah. uh, high def CGI. has CGI defi- high def has definitely ruined us yeah. in
0: that regard. Yeah. Cause a lot of, a lot of movies that were not made for high def. We're not that like they. one of the special effects is the fact that they understood the limitations of the camera and the limitations of, like the physical limitations yeah. of the film uh, of the celluloid and all that. So it's interesting when we're living in this like digital really hyper digital filmmaking age where everything is HD where the phone in your pocket is more advanced than what what, what filmmakers were using to make <laughs> to make film like 20 30 even 10 years ago for goodness sake. Uh, it's 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 an interesting time but i i sincerely hope that with remakes and especially with um you know remakes reboots anything where they're revisiting old property that they just go back and they the people understand that there's a reverence that need to be paid need to be paid i mean um yeah. did we need we don't we never need it like we never need it but it's yeah. there the story was told exactly the story yeah. was told and we never needed it it was new it was revolutionary then but it's always good to kind of, you know, we always retail old stories again and again. So that's a human
1: thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, so what about, like, you know, we watched Poltergeist. What were some other thoughts that came up?
0: I, I, I enjoyed Poltergeist more than I thought I did um, Amityville. For sure, yeah. If we're talking about like the two films that we watch that tell stories about haunted house, um, which like in and of itself is a tale as old as time. Like we're always right. these because you, it's just something that hits you literally where you live. <laughs> it's the the forces beyond your control are have completely invaded your the space in which you live. Right. And I thought it was fascinating and interesting because i really uh, I really just enjoyed um how it was how the story like it 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 propelled like it, it was definitely um there weren't points that I felt dragged for me, and uh, things kept happening like new things different things that kept happening that was just like, oh wow, I didn't expect that to happen right when um the thing with the chairs on the
1: table and oh yeah, so cool just. And that's a totally in camera like practical effect. really? yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, wow. yeah as the, as it panned, the crew like quickly had already set up the chairs. I don't know they were probably glued together, you know what I mean all put together so they quickly put the put it on and then moved the other chairs you know off the set like really fast as, as before the camera pans back. So just really cool you know they, that they could do that. yeah. And it's not like an editing trick or anything. Yeah, no, it was all uh yeah, took the the cam- all in camera. Yeah. Oops, shoot. Um yeah, so I, I sorry, I just wanted to say that cuz I think it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I I like the whole <laughs> I did like uh yeah, we don't go in this room <laughs> and there's yeah. the, oh, we saw a matchbox car and this this and then he opens the door and all,
1: literal all hell is breaking loose in that room yes I actually really love that in movies like this sort of like I don't know if that's considered dramatic irony or not like where the audience knows something more than like the you know so it's kind of a funny thing when he's talking about like oh we spent hours filming this matchbox car that moved you know an inch or whatever it is you know however many inches he says um, to, it, which is such proof you know and you're thinking like oh dude you just wait just and wait they open the room and everything's flying around and they're like whoa whoa you know, like, I think I think it's kind of cool, yeah. Like those sorts of scenes in movies. Can you talk about the the jump cut with a with a Pizza Hut? Oh, the awkward one where yeah. she's talking about yeah. You know, I don't know why they never went back and like just fix, like made that cleaner. So what he's talking about is like there's a scene where she's uh, where jo Beth Williams' character, the the mother Diane, is um. Showing Craig T. Nelson's character, the father, that uh, there's like a spot on the floor in their kitchen where they sit something and then it like slides away, like it's moved. You know, there's some sort of energy field there or something and the daughter moves and then suddenly there's just like this cut to where they're on like a neighbor's porch asking if anything weird's going on in their house. And apparently that's because he makes some derisive uh, comment, the father back in the kitchen before the scene, about Pizza Hut. And Pizza Hut was not happy with the comment. Now, I don't know if that's, maybe they were, I don't know if they were a sponsor, which doesn't make much sense. Because, you know, if you have a sponsor, you're not going to say something negative about them. So I really don't know what pull Pizza Hut had to... To do that, but that's what that's the rumor. Now, who knows? Maybe it's just a really terrible editing mistake that nobody fixed, and that's just what they made up to say. But, but apparently, Craig T. Nelson's character just says, a, you know, something like, yeah. "Oh, I hate Pizza Hut," or you know, Pizza Hut something in that realm. I'd rather shit eyeballs than Pizza Yeah. H- yeah. So who knows? But anyways, it just yeah, it's weird. It's a weird jump cut. It has nothing to do with anything. Do you just know what he said? No, that's what I'm saying. I oh, don't it's know. completely lost. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I'm sure it's not completely lost. I'm sure we could do a search and find it. But. It's like the Watergate tapes. The, <laughs> the, missing, the missing minutes of the Watergate tapes. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I am just looking for something else about the chairs, but I'm not finding it. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so what else? I I really like Poltergeist. I don't remember the first time I saw it. It's another one of those movies that's always been there, you know. Um mm-hmm. I'm sure I probably saw it sometime for the first time in the 90s, early 90s, maybe late 80s, 89 uh 90. I couldn't have been very old. Because I definitely have, like, very strong early memories of Zelda Rubenstein and, and really liking her and, and anything that she would pop up in, I would watch. She was in an episode of Tales in the Crypt where she plays uh, the mother of a child who's been dead for 40 years, who's, like, zombified. It's really cool and creepy. Um, it's, a great, it's a great episode because the, like, conceit of it is that the mother, she plays a character who's been calling into, like, a psychic hotline or something like a, somebody who has like a TV show or a radio show or something. I can't, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, but she's been calling in and saying, and you know, talking about her daughter and sometimes the daughter calls in. And so they're convinced that they're the same person that like the mother is suffering, you know, like DID and is clearly, you know, fantasizing that, you know, she is her daughter. But then at the end you find out the daughter is, like a zombie creature. It's very weird and cool and creepy. It is Dan. Yeah, and Zelda's perfect for it. Uh plus she did like the Taste of the Rainbow for a long time, the Skittles commercials. Uh she was she was the voice of those for a long time. Oh wow. Yeah. Um she did a lot of stuff in the horror realm, um, narrating of course, supernatural. She, she has that voice. Yeah. Uh Let's see. What else? I don't know. You know, I, I, originally, I think when we had first planned this episode, it was we were going to do the Amityville Horror and Poltergeist together. Yes. <laughs> so I think some of the, you know, maybe some of the conversation that we kind of had planned, it's sort of been spread out over the past two episodes. Uh, so some of some of what we talked about in the realm of, like, do we believe in ghosts? Do we believe in poltergeists? You know? Yeah.
0: And sometimes, you know what that happens in real life school. Sometimes you have to split things up, or right. you know, you have a snow day or two, <laughs> and it, all of a sudden it's two separate things. But um, overall, I, I, I w- the the thought that I had I've had the last two films is that I I am not. I'm still okay. Like, I'm not... There's nothing that I can't not sh- can't not shake. Like, I've been able to shake the the fear and all of that stuff from other stuff. But then again, you know, I think the next film is... Uh, the Shining. The Shining. Oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. So, you know, who knows at that point? Because, you know, Kubrick's a sick fuck and um, it could be a genius, but it could be... Um, I could have something different to say, but I'm just... I'm kind of waiting for me to not, like be about uh, to to just be completely uh, like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore, Joshua.
1: Yeah. You know, and I, I don't think really any of these movies at the, at the end of the day really are like that. Cause I'm not showing you anything that I think is particularly like horrifying. Well, saw saw will probably be the worst. Um, You know, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, yeah, we still have, I mean, we still have uh yeah. Cause we have to get through the shining and nightmare on Elm street, the silence of the lambs. Scream! I'm really looking forward to doing a Scream with you.
0: I'm really looking forward to fun. Scream as
1: well. Yeah, because you're gonna have you're gonna have so much horror knowledge. Uh, Blair Witch Project and Saw. So that's what's that's what's upcoming. But yeah, The Shining is next, uh, which I am looking forward to to doing that one because I that, gosh, what a great movie! Great, yeah. great film. I'll <laughs> fill yeah. So I was trying to think of you know, anything else to say. Uh, I mean, there's tons of stuff I'm sure we could talk about with Poltergeist. Uh, but again, like I said, I showed it to you. I don't consider it a horror film necessarily, like I was saying in the beginning. It's just it has a lot of tropes that have been used particularly in like paranormal activity, um, you know, and lots of things that have followed in its path. Yeah. And it's closing
0: shot is like a comedic beat. (laughs) Yeah. To have the, to completely just give it all away (laughs) and have it be a comedic beat. I was really expecting, um, and I don't know, maybe it did because I did leave, uh, I did get up after, right after the credits started rolling,
1: but um, I was expecting for the, the the TV to turn back on. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that would actually that would have been interesting, you know, because that's the thing with with poltergeist legends. Um, you, they're not ghosts. I mean, th- that's something else that uh, the movie. Uh, I'm not sure exactly gets. So there's supposed to be a difference between a ghost and a poltergeist, whereas like a ghost is like a spirit or or something, whereas a poltergeist is like an entity, um, something supernatural that kind of fixates on one person and, you know, usually uh, will follow that person around. So it would have made sense if those ghosts and things had not been yet exercised, that at the end, no matter where they go, they're still there because they're around, they're connected to her, to Carol Ann, the daughter, Mm -hmm. not the space they're on. So the movie itself kind of wavers on that, you know, because they say that like, oh, you know, it's not like based on a place. Well, then you find out, well, there's all these dead bodies buried under the house. So is, you know, is it a traditional haunting or is it a poltergeist? Um, So I was going to say that uh, in folklore and parapsychology... Uh, poltergeist, German for noisy ghost is a type of ghost or other supernatural entity, which is responsible for physical disturbances, objects being moved or destroyed, things like that. I don't think that they're usually considered, um, yeah, they're described as troublesome spirits who haunt a particular person. Uh, but they're not like, they don't take on like human form. Got it. You know, whereas obviously in poltergeist, you know, they do, um, so, there, I, I like, there's, um again, going back to, like, the scary stories that tell in the dark books, I think in, like, the third one, there's a great poltergeist story, which is kind of the same. So, um, it's a little, like, telekinesis kind of thing. So, it's, like, usually, like, a prepubescent, you um, know, teen or, or adolescent in the house uh, is the source of the problem, mm-hmm. you know, and that's in one of the stories. It's called The Trouble and it's like, what's going on here? And there's all this, like, you know, things are flying around their house and breaking, and it's because of, like, this psychokinetic energy that the teenager is giving off, you know, not necessarily, like, a supernatural entity. So, I don't know. I, I'm just, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't really know why I bring it up, except that maybe, Pol- you know, poltergeist might not be the right word for what poltergeist the film is about. Is about, because it definitely feels like a haunting. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a haunting film, but of course, you. So it ends that way, where you know the house eats itself and all like the, the corpses and stuff, and it, it ends on that note. So again, it's like they're retroactively. Um. Adding to the story in the second film because they move, but then the preacher Kane follows Carol Ann and wants to you know wants her to help. And then in the third movie, he continues. It's the same guy. He comes back. They're living in a high rise story with um what's her name Nancy Allen. Um, have you seen Carrie? No. no. <laughs> That's right. Anyways, um, so she plays in that movie. She plays the um aunt of Carol Ann's character and sh- who else is in that actually there's there's other people that you would recognize um let me look up really quickly uh not the remake we already talked about that Poltergeist 3 oh yeah Poltergeist 2 was called The Other Side in 1986 and then in 1988 there was Poltergeist 3 and it has Tom Skerritt
0: Oh yeah, Tom Skerritt,
1: Nancy Allen, Heather O'Rourke in her last film roles, and Zelda Rubinstein all come back, and then who? Lara Flynn Boyle's in it too.
0: Oh wow, yeah.
1: Um, she plays like her cousin. She she's the daughter of Nancy Allen's character, and so they move. They live in I think it's like Chicago or something. Um, it's set in, and they live in this like gorgeous like big huge building. Um, you know they live in the penthouse, and like she's an artist or something, and whatever. But anyway, so the preacher like haunts the. There's all these big mirrors throughout the whole thing, and so there's this whole other world on the other side. It's really creepy and really kind of cool. So I, I I recommend watching the sequels uh, if you ever get a chance. Uh, maybe we'll do that. We'll do a sequel series. I would just, love to just that. watch part twos and threes of everything. <laughs> Uh I think it would be fun actually. We should watch the Text Chains of Massacre Part 2. And then of course uh the next generation with the lovely and talented Reese Witherspoon. You gotta love it. Uh anyway, so Poltergeist. Uh pretty good movie, pretty fun. I hope that you enjoyed it. It wasn't too horrifying for you.
0: No, I <laughs> I, I definitely liked it. I like the um I liked many things about it, but I think what I enjoyed most was that it was um, it had its moments of lightheartedness. Yeah. And uh, I mean I'm always looking for it. Yeah, that. it's funny. Yeah. Some, it's there's some parts where funny. it's it's funny and it's it um it it also propels, like things keep yeah. not like you're not waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire time. Like right. things are happening. Um action there's constantly some sort of action yeah. happening.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Then, uh, oh my gosh. Hemlock. Hey.
0: Oh my God. Hemlock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hemlock almost scratched my face. He's so crazy. Anyways. All right. So next week, the shining, we will see you then.
0: (laughs) Uh,
1: Bye, everyone. (laughs) You're listening to the Geekscape Network.